right. Well, if you want to open your Bible to Matthew 25, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll get there in just a moment. Um, but I want to pray, and I will ask you again. Um, you can be looking this up while we pray, but I'd ask for you to say this prayer with me. Um, Father God, I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. In Jesus' name. And we just give you this time, Lord. Amen. Amen. How many have ever seen a mighty, huge, strong oak tree? Anyone ever seen a big oak tree? There's just, it's one of the strongest trees and strongest woods on the entire planet. And did you know that the whole, the mighty oak tree comes from the tiny, humble little acorn? Like that little bitty acorn that falls on our head or that we almost trip on when we step on every now and then. Those little bitty acorns has one seed in it. Every now and then there'll be two seeds inside of them, but only one is activated. And that one seed inside of that little acorn dies and gives birth to this mighty oak tree that stands in the wind and isn't swayed, that doesn't bend, it doesn't break. All from the little acorn. There's a, there's a lesson in this that I want to talk about today, and it's the lesson of stewardship. It's the, your mighty oak of breakthrough is in the acorn that God's already given you. Are you all right? We're going to go somewhere, all right? So, <clears throat> how many have ever prayed this prayer? I want more of you, Lord. How many prayed it today? I did. How many think that's a good prayer to pray? I think that is a great prayer to pray. After all, he said to us in John, he said he gives us his spirit without measure. Everyone say without measure. So when God wants to give us of himself, he doesn't measure how much he gives. Who does? We do. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteous, righteousness will be Oh, come on, I need help today, all right? At least to start off. Once we get started, we'll go, right? But those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So if he gives us his spirit without measure, who determines how much of him we get? We do. I do. My hunger, the cup that I lift up to him in hunger, or the bowl, or the tank, or the lake, whatever I lift up to him, he will fill it. You know why? Because it's impossible for him to put a drop in something and it not expand and overflow. Do you all know that that's true? Now, here's what's interesting. I may only have a little bit of hunger. It's a thimble. God, I give you my thimble of hunger. He's going to pour himself into that thimble. And because the presence of God it increases and it fills the room and continues to fill the room that when I lift him the thimble of hunger, he's going to grow and overflow out of that thimble and my hunger is going to increase to match the overflow. Hello? So don't be afraid like, well, I only have a thimble. It's okay. Your thimble will turn into a cup, will turn into a, a tanker, will turn into a lake, will turn into an ocean because God cannot be contained. I find it really interesting when we think about God in terms like, God, I'd like for you to enter into my marriage. And then we really trust God in our marriage. But when we have financial stuff, we're like, well, God, we, we trust you with our marriage, but we don't trust you with our finances. It's foolish for us. And it's a really immature, infantile understanding to think that God doesn't feel everywhere he goes. As a matter of fact, 
the Bible says that the train of his robe filled the temple. And what that translation filled means is it filled it and it continued to fill it. Why is space? How many of you have know this with science? I wish Nate was in here. He could tell us. Space and science tells us that space is ever increasing. Well, why is that? Because God is ever increasing. Isaiah says the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end to it. So when God comes into your life, he cannot be contained with our limited understanding and our limited revelation. If he comes into our life, he's going to take over because that's who he is. He cannot contain himself because he's, he's bigger than everything and he continues to become bigger, right? Is this making sense? So we have a little bit of an acorn. It is going to grow into a mighty oak. But we kind of determine that hunger, that starting point that we start with. So our hunger determines the measurement. Everyone say that. My hunger determines the measurement. My hunger doesn't stop him, though. <laughs> How many of you have a testimony where you thought you were just going to kind of kind of serve the Lord, kind of follow him, and then look where you're at now? Like, man, I'm all in on this thing, or I was just going to tiptoe in, and now, man, I'm knee-deep. I'm ankle-deep. I'm swim- I went from knee to ankle, ankle to knee to swimming. Now I didn't even mean to. Kind of went backwards on that. That's all right. <clears throat> how, many, how many say that's true? Because God continues to expand. But there are times, and it is possible. Now, this, I'm gonna, this is the shocking disruption moment right now. It is possible for our cry for more of the Lord to be a sign of a poverty spirit. Like, whoa, I like the first part. Let's go back and talk about the first part. The, it is possible for my cry for more of the Lord to actually be a cry from poverty instead of from hunger. And we're going to talk about that today. So if you go in Matthew chapter 25... Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start with verse 14. For it is just like a man who was about to go on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave, I'm going to say five. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Now talents was a sum of money. It was an amount of money. So he gave each of them. He gave one five, one two, and one one. And then he, according to what? Their own ability their own capacity, their own capability of taking care of the five. So he didn't give five to the one with one because the one with one didn't have the capacity for five like the five did. Are you all okay? Does that make sense? All right, so according to their ability, and then he leaves them. So he gives five, two, one. We'll see you later. I gave it to you based on your ability that I've seen and I've known from you, your stewardship and your your growth potential, and now I'm going to go on my journey. And he leaves on his journey. And immediately... The one who received the five talents immediately went and traded with them. And guess what he did? He bartered and he turned five into ten. Which proved that the, 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 his master knew what he was doing when he gave him five. If I give him five, he'll turn it into ten. And he did. Exactly. He turned it into ten. And in the same manner, the one who received two talents went and gained two more. There would say two more. All right. It was, they were good. They were doing a good job. They were doing what they were told to do, right? Because they were good servants. But what happened to the one who only had one? The Bible says that he went away 
He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. Bad plan. Bad, bad plan. Now, after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And the one who received five talents came, and he was probably really happy, like pumped up. Like, yeah, you gave me five. I turned it into ten. I'm a good servant. And he brought it to him, and he gave it. And, and the master said, you were entrusted with five talents. And he said, master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master said to him, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. So enter into the joy of my kingdom, basically, is what he says to him. The one who received two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents, and see, I have gained two more. The master said to him the same, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many. Do you see a pattern here? They were given talents according to their abilities, and according to their abilities, they, they multiplied their talents, and then they were also put in charge of more because they stewarded the acorn they were given well. Does that make sense? All right. And now, the bad part of the story, all right? The one who received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew that you were a tough, you were a hard man. You reap where you do not sow, and you gather where you didn't plant seed. You're... You're like Donald Trump. You're a tough taskmaster, and I was afraid I was going to be fired by you. And this is not a plus or negative thing on Donald Trump. Just Donald Trump. Talk about him, right? (laughs) He said, I was afraid of you. I was scared of you when you went away because I knew you're such a shrewd businessman. And so because I was so afraid, I hid your talent in the ground. So here, here's what you gave me to start with. But his master said to him, Y'all, anybody see it right there? What did he call him? You wicked, lazy servant. Ooh. Isn't it interesting that he starts with evil or wicked? Did you know that it is evil or wicked to not steward what God gives us well? Ouch. Ooh. We're going to get more into this. All right. You knew that I reap where I do not sow, and that I gather, uh, I gather where I did not scatter seed. You should have at least put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with at least interest. You could have at least done that. Therefore, what does he do? Take away the talent from him and give it to who? One with, that has five and now has ten. So, man, the one with five turned it into ten, and now he has eleven because he was a good servant. He did really good with what, God, what his master gave him, right? And he says, and then here's a powerful verse, verse 29. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. Would you say it with me? Everyone who has, more will be given. And that's a really good promise from the Lord. Like what you have from the Lord right now, he is going to give you more. Amen. And then and he will have abundance. So not only will those that have be given more, but you will also be given overflow because God is the overflow, the abundance. Right. And we say abundance. But from the one who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. 
See, stewardship either invites the abundance of the good, good master, which is God, or it invites the wicked one to come and steal what we have. Hello? Stewardship, taking care of what is mine, either invites the abundance from God as a good servant or invites the evil one to come and steal, kill, and destroy all through stewardship. Now, guess what? I'm not even going to talk about money in any way today. Thank the Lord, right? I'm talking about stewarding what God has given us, what he has entrusted to us. It, it, the key to having more, remember how we started. The cry for more from the Lord is a good prayer. This is not saying it's not a good prayer. But when my poverty spirit apprehends it, if I have a poverty spirit and it apprehends my cry from the more, for the more, then it's not the same as when I'm like, God, you're so good. You've been so faithful that I have to have more of you. That sounds really different than, God, I'm so desperate. Nothing's working in my life. Would you please give me more? What's the difference in the two prayers? One is from a place of, God, you're so abundant. And because I know you're so abundant, and because you reap where you do not sow, and you gather where you do not scatter seed, because you are so good at all that, can I have more of you? Can I have more of you? That sounds really different from, man, God, you haven't answered my prayer. God, you haven't done the thing that I've been asking you for for so many years and have cried out for. Would you please give me more? They sound really different, don't they? Are you all okay? And it is possible for my prayer for more to be a sign of poverty instead of from wealth. Then he says to take that servant and throw him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we say, no, none of us want to go there, right? All right, what's the point? When our cry for more comes under the influence of a poverty spirit. And what I mean, let me define what I mean by poverty spirit. A poverty spirit <laughs> is a cycle where I always need more because what I have is not, not enough. A poverty spirit is I need more to be happy because what I have isn't making me happy right now. Is this making sense? A poverty spirit thinks that when more is added, everything will be better than right now. A poverty spirit is actually a lottery mentality. God, if you'll just come through in this thing, everything will be better. God, if you'll just answer this one prayer, I will serve you and I'll be content and happy and my life will be everything that I wanted it to be. Just do this one thing. That is not a cry from hunger. That is a cry from poverty. Hello? And God wants to bring attention to us to where our cry for more comes from. We have to manifest. We have to manifest a cry for, for more from a place of hunger instead from a place of, I don't have what I need right now. I'm not happy right now. I'm not content right now. And the only way I'll be content is if you just do this one thing for me. Just do one thing for me. It's like when our kids want to go to bed. Can you just give me five more minutes? I'll be happy then. No, you won't. You're not happy now. You won't be happy with five more minutes. Am I telling the truth? Can we be outside just for 20 more minutes? Then you'll want 20 more. It's all right. That's what we do to the Lord. God, if you just do this one, I'm just asking for one little thing. It's really not big at all. But what it is, is it's a poverty mentality. 
And instead of our trust and our contentment being based on him being good, him being abundantly full of everything that we need, we're looking at what we don't have. If we just get this one more thing, I'll finally have breakthrough. If I just get one answer prayer here, then I know breakthrough will be, be here. The poverty spirit will lock us in this state of being aware of what we need instead of aware of what he has already given to us and supplied us with. Oh. Is this true? This is a hard word, right? A poverty spirit is more aware of what we don't have and the prayers that haven't been answered and where things aren't going the way we think they should than with what God has already done for us and what he has already released into our presence. Y'all okay? What happens is instead of stewarding what we have because we're not happy with it, we're really unthankful. By, by, by falling prey to this poverty spirit, what we're saying is, well, what you gave me was, I, I wanted the five, and you only gave me two. Well, look, they've got everything going for them. they got five. I only have two. Well, they've got two. I only have one. That's not fair. Give me one more, and I'll be okay. Instead, we're looking at what everything outside here to make us content and happy instead of, no, the mighty oak tree of breakthrough. The mighty fullness of God's supply is in the little acorn that he gives us. And when we steward that acorn, it has inside of it everything that we will ever need for life and for existence for eternity. Did you know that? Everything that we need from God is already inside of us as a seed. And that seed is Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the seed of that has been planted inside of our hearts, that is the hope, the future glory that's to come, which means as I steward my intimacy with the seed of God that's inside of me, then I will steward that into increase from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Not when I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I had this. Man, if you would just answer this prayer. Man, if I had a better house. Man, if I had a better this. Man, if I had a better husband. Man, if I had a better wife. Man, if my kids were, were better in this way. Everything's about everyone else instead of, God, what seed have you already put in me? What can I take authority over in my life to increase it? What can I steward? Maybe I only have one talent. But God, what is it? I want to get so good at that one talent that you give me more. Because why do we know he'll give us more? Because he cannot contain himself. He cannot hold, withhold himself from us. How many times in the scripture does it tell us he cannot withhold his love from us? He cannot withhold his grace from us. Even when the Israelites were doing stupid things and Moses was like, kill them, God. God was like, oh, no, they're my people. I love them. And then when God was ready to kill him, Moses was like, no, God. <coughs> God cannot withhold from us because he increases, expands. He's abundant. He's prosperous. He's completely full. He's whole. Did you know that when we say holy, the best word to describe God is that word, holy. Holy isn't just moral purity. Holy isn't just righteousness. It actually means completely whole. It means full and complete and increasing in the fullness of. So when the angels in heaven right now are crying, holy, holy is the Lord. You know what they're saying? 
We've known God our whole existence, and he's holy. And then we've come over to this side, and we've seen part of him we've never seen before, and he's holy there too, and he's increasing, and he's expanding over there because that's how God is with us. So when we... It's such a trick of the enemy to turn our attention to things that are worthless and to turn our attention from what we already have and what we already possess. That's why testimony is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Why? Because the testimony is the seed of the promise that God will continue to be faithful because that's who he is. So when I take the seed of what God has already done and I champion this testimony that God has done for me in my life, a testimony is any, any activity that God has had in our life that we could not do on our own is God. It's a testimony. And when we keep the testimony, we are prophesying into our future that God will do again what he's already done because that's who he is. Are y'all hearing this? This is God. God is faithful. Did you know in John chapter 4, when Jesus was talking to the, to the woman at the well, what did he say to her about a drink? He's like, man, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And then what did he say? The key. And you would drink of me and, everybody say it, never thirst again. Why? Because he comes into us as a drink and then he fills us as a river. <sighs> It's God. I didn't say it. It's right here in the word. John chapter 7, 28. He who believes in me, the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow a river of what? Of what? And what did Jesus tell the woman at the well he was? I am the living water. And if you drink of me, the living water, you'll never be thirsty again. Because when you take one drink of me... You will have a river of living water of me flowing out from every area of your life. It's the kingdom. It's who Jesus is. And I, and I, <laughs> I never want to stop praying, God, I want more of you. But I also don't want it to come from a place of, I'm not happy with what I have, so can I have more? That's like when we cook this beautiful meal for our kids and we bring it to the table as the champion providers that we are and we set it in front of them and they're like, I don't like that. Can I have something else? Can I have something else? You're going to eat what I put in front of you because this is really good for you. It's got nutrients. It's got protein. It's got everything you need right here in front of you. But I want candy. I want sweets. I want cereal, (laughs) right? I want muffins. I want something with sugar in it. No, no, no. You need to eat protein. You need to fuel your body. I know it's bad. We do that to the Lord. I don't really like that, Lord. I don't like where you gave me this job. I don't like the people there. I don't really like that. Come on, man. God has given us everything we need for life, and he's poured it into us. It's our job to make it look like the kingdom. It's not... It's not our job to complain to him to come and rescue us every single time. What is in our hand? What do we have? What do we possess right now? How many have tasted and seen the Lord is good? Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you remember, I'm closing it out. Do you remember in John chapter 6, 
Jesus is on this long sermon. And as he's teaching, there's this huge crowd to start. And as he begins to preach and teach the kingdom, people get offended the longer he preaches, which kind of feels that way sometimes. The longer he goes, the people are like, oh, I don't really like what he's saying right now. So they would leave. And it got down to this, and it got down to that, and he gets down to just a few people and his disciples, and then he drops this crazy statement on them in John chapter 6, verse 47, and he says this, it's 47 through 58, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have my kingdom. And they're like, oh my gosh, what is this guy talking about, eating flesh and drinking blood? What is wrong? We know he's not the Messiah now. And they would get up and they would leave. And they said, this is too hard. This is too hard a message. And then the disciples are like, Lord, what do you mean, what do you mean by all of that? He's like, well, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't have part of my kingdom. And he says, if that offends you, do you want to leave too? And what do they say? Where would we go, Lord? You have the words of life. What's the point? Unless we partake of Christ as Lord, we cannot have the kingdom. But when we partake of him and taste and see that he's good, he will increase from the inside out of us until every area of our life is filled with abundance and prosperity. Now, there's a big difference between the prosperity gospel that we preach nowadays and Jesus preached. Jesus wasn't interested in them having the newest chariot or the newest house or the newest technology of the day, actually a toilet in their house or whatever it was. He wasn't interested in that. He was interested in their soul prospering wherever they were. So whether you were living in a palace with driving a Rolls Royce and having a butler's bring you food, or whether you were in prison, you could prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Do you think in Old Testament, Joseph, do you think he prospered while he was in prison? Yeah. The Bible actually says in Psalms that iron entered into his soul. He became fortified as a man in prison as he stewarded his connection to the Father. He knew God was faithful. He knew the one who gave him the dreams was faithful. And so he was prosperous. In prison, he was prosperous. So it's not about how much you have. It's about the contentment of your soul. What did Paul say? Man, I've had everything and I've had nothing. And you know, I've learned the secret. This is Paul saying, I learned the secret of being wealthy or being poor. And then he uses Steph Curry's favorite verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God wants to make me wealthy and the head of a business, maybe someone in this room, you're going to be wealthy one day. You can do all things through Christ. You're going to prosper in that position he gives you because Christ is in you, the hope of glory. But maybe you're supposed to sell all your possessions and live like a pauper. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I can do all things through Christ. The key is not how much. It's the condition of my heart. Is this making sense? Last thing, I'm not going to read it for time, but we may hit it more later on. But in Mark chapter 8, this is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's talking to his disciples, and he tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. We kind of talked about this last week or the week before. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And they stopped, and they looked at each other like, oh, we forgot bread. Where do you get we forgot bread from beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod? 
But that's where they went. We forgot bread. We only have one loaf. And Jesus looked at them and he says, why do you reason that you have no bread? Do you not remember? The word remember is a, is a connection to the testimony. Remember is testimony. Do you not remember how I fed the 4,000? And do you not remember how I fed the 5,000 like just 10 minutes ago? And you're wondering why you have no bread? Why are you worried about bread? I don't, I don't need much. But if you'll give me what you have, it will expand. That's the lesson I'm trying to teach you. So what's the point? You may be in a place where you're not content or you're frustrated with, with things going on around you. Don't allow that frustration to become your reason for asking for more. Go into the secret place. Get along with God and tell him you're frustrated. It's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it really well. He handles it really well because he's so confident. He has no fear. Go in and tell him you're discouraged, you're disappointed, and ask him to show you what he sees. What do you see, God? I'm frustrated with this. I'm angry. I'm upset. And I just need you to know that because these are all real emotions and real thoughts that I'm having right now. They're real. Now that I've given you what I have, would you show me what you see and see what he shows you? Then when he shows you the acorn that he's already planted inside of whatever frustration you have, take that acorn and love it, pet it, name it George, make it a pet, steward it really well until it becomes the oak tree that he promised you. This is true. This is real. This is how he wants us to live. And so, Father, right now, we take authority over the poverty spirit that comes to try to apprehend our desire for more of you. Hmm. We break ties with that thief who comes to steal our cry for more. Would you stand with me? Come on, we're going to pray into that. Pray along those lines. We're, we're kicking the thief out. We're tying him up. You will no longer steal our cry for more of God. Hmm. If you're here and you feel like you have struggled with this and this is a word for you, I want you right now to first thing is repent. Tell the Lord you're sorry. I am sorry. I changed my thinking from this. This is bad thinking and I'm not going to reason. Why do I have no bread anymore? Father, I repent of poverty in my thoughts, in my mind. See, poverty in the mind is way worse than poverty in our reality. Don't be imprisoned in your mind, in your dreams, in your heart. God, we break the poverty spirit right now. In Jesus' name. We break its hold on our dreaming, on our stewardship. We break the laziness that comes with the poverty spirit. Whew. We break the lottery mentality that says, well, one day everything's just going to fall into place. No, the acorn's already inside of us. Come on. Here's what's awesome. When we steward that acorn into an oak tree, it produces way more acorns. I mean, how many acorns can an oak tree produce? I don't know. But man, when we steward well the acorn in us and it becomes an oak tree, it drops acorns everywhere. And all of a sudden, the seed of God is in us in every area of our life. Father, I pray that we would prosper and be in good health as our soul prospers. I declare that over it. Would you pray that over yourself? Put your hand on your heart. Say, Father, I declare that I will prosper and be in good health 
as my soul prospers. Say this with me as well. And I, I refuse to partner with a poverty spirit. Show me what you see. Let me hear what you hear. Let me dream what you're dreaming. Now, Father, we're thankful. Thank you for the seed you've put inside of us. Thank you for the acorns that are in our heart right now that have been planted in us. And Father, we say thank you, thank you, thank you for being a good father. And we will steward well what you've given us. We will be proud of what we have. All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. One more thing, and we're going to ask anyone who wants prayer for salvation, healing, deliverance, we can come to the front for freedom. But I want to ask this prayer. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes just before we go, I want to make sure we do this. Is there anyone here that you would say, man, I'm just not close to God right now, and I want to turn to him. I want to return to the Lord. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Awesome. Good. Then I will take that as a sign that everyone felt him today and we turned to the Lord like he took care of that early on, right? Father, I just declare that everyone here belongs to you. And you said that you, you, <laughs> the enemy cannot steal anyone from your hand. And I declare that, that they will know you and love you all the days of their life. See, this is what I pray over my kids every night, that they would know you and love you all the days of their long and healthy life. I declare that over our church right now. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. If you want prayer concerning salvation.